This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Hello, everybody. This show is crossing or has crossed or will cross over the 100th episode line somewhere soon. I mean, it's hard to know just how many episodes I've done. Do the bonuses count? It's hard to say. So no matter what the exact number, I've done about 100 of these across three and a half years. That's huge and a ton of work. I put out a call on social media asking you to tell me how we should celebrate. Several of you suggested that I answer listener questions. Normal episodes of Truce have all kinds of research and music, expert guests. This is just a normal interview. So when you're done, check out the other episodes on the feed. My friend Melvin Benson, host of the Cinematic Doctrine podcast, hopped in front of a mic and helped me out. Melvin is going to ask me your questions. Do I have a favorite episode? Is there one that I wish I hadn't done? How can we stay positive when the news makes it seem like the world is constantly on fire? All of that and more on this, our 100th-ish episode of Truce. Can you say the little opening line? Do you know the the slogan? Is this the one that's like we use journalistic in- integrity to yeah. or practices integrity? <laughs> well, I hope you have integrity. <laughs> but <laughs> we yeah, use yeah. journalistic practices to go back into the history to understand where the Christian church is now. Did I get it kind of right? It's almost like somebody translated it to another language and then translated it back to English. Back. <laughs> You're listening to this show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. This is Melvin Benson of the Cinematic Doctrine Podcast, and I'm Chris Stearn of the Truce Podcast, and you're listening to Truce. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Oh, dude, that was so good. (laughs) So do you repeat that every episode, or do you have like an audio clip that you just... Put into I it. repeated every episode. Well, actually, it wasn't in the first season, and it wasn't in the first part of the second season. I don't think it became uh, apparent that I needed to be able to like tell people what they were listening to, give them yeah. an idea of what, what to expect. Because oftentimes, I start out with a story and not even like introducing the show. I just bam right into a story, and yeah. so it can be confusing to be like, "Why is he talking about shipping containers?" 
what is this podcast about? You know, <laughs> it's a good mission statement because you figure as you're talking about mission uh, uh, shipping containers, then you cut into that and you're like, okay, there's a connection here. <laughs> right. There's yeah, somehow this somewhere. has to do with the Christian church, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to figure out how he's going to swing it. That's yeah. really good. So we're doing this interview because it is your hundredth episode celebration. Yeah, somewhere See, that's a good milestone. There. That's great. So first off. Here are three questions from Dave. I'll go obviously one at a time. A first question from Dave is, what led you to start Truce? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is when I get a bunch when I'm interviewed on other shows. Essentially, a few years ago when I started this show, I, I was seeing that a lot of my friends were really upset. I was really upset. We were just all angry at each other, and I don't think anybody really knew why. And a lot of that anger was directed at the Christian church. I wanted to explore why those things were, uh, you know, why, why we were all upset, why we were tense, and how we got to this position. So I found myself having a lot of really great conversations with friends. I've got a lot of really interesting friends who ask really big questions. And so just in the process of thinking about it, I was like, boy, I should just, I should just start a podcast on this. Because I, my brother and I used to have a podcast when we were making our films, and uh, this was mm -hmm. like... Uh, we stopped doing that podcast 10 years ago, I think. So we were like right when nobody was listening to podcasts, <laughs> we were doing that. Show. Yeah. But right at the birth of yeah. podcasts. And, awesome. and we, I, I really actually found out I liked making podcasts more than making the movies. And so I'd missed it for so long. Yeah. And so it just kind of came together. It was like, I, I missed doing a show and then I, I really wanted to dis uh, discuss and, and uh, find out, investigate these different topics. Yeah. A follow-up from Dave really is what keeps you going? Like what's your motivation to keep producing the show? Because there's always more stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I I'm scheduled out almost a year out on stories that I want to tell right now. So that's fascinating to me that there are those many things that I want to talk about a year out that I'm researching so far in advance. And I just keep stumbling on things that I want to talk about. And I love the edits. I loved interacting with the audience. So it's, it's just a really excellent medium uh, to, to be in, especially coming from movies where, you know, you're spending, you know, in our case, tens of thousands of dollars, but potentially tens of millions of dollars to make a movie. And you, you know, never know how it's going to come out and it takes years to do right. but a podcast. You can, it doesn't cost that much to do in comparison. And, uh, and so you can tell these big stories and talk to these fascinating people, uh, you know, just send a tweet to somebody and be like, Hey, will you be on the show? And they could be like somebody you really admire and they might say, yes, it's a, it's a yeah. very exciting, I would say almost addictive medium. I don't know if you've found that to be the same. Yeah, it it is an it is a medium that's like it draws you into what you're doing very easily. I, I definitely find it easier when my episodes are less than forty minutes. Oh, yeah. The second it goes over forty minutes, it becomes really difficult to do the episodes. Huh. But if it's under forty minutes, I find it like the stress is gone. Yeah. I don't have any cortisol in my body when it's forty minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, my episodes are getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, and they're. Good. I just, you know, praying for a, a team member, at least one editor would probably help. Uh, it would help a like, lot. Yeah. Yeah. We have a listener named, or you have a listener named Jake who has somewhat of a similar question. He says, is there an episode of the podcast you regret doing? And if so, why? Yeah. 
Well, first of all, Jake is like the guy who retweets everything I tweet, and he's a big supporter. So thanks, Jake. Appreciate you, buddy. Heck yeah, Jake. Kill yeah, it. Killing it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of episodes, or at least pieces of episodes, that I wish I could have redone. Even the recent Jamar Tisby episode, I, I think what he had to say was really good. And the reason I made that episode was because I felt like he had a lot of valuable input. But Anytime yeah. you're talking about a subject that is as gigantic as race, it really kind of deserved a whole series. And I just didn't have time. One of the reasons I'm mm -hmm. having just interviews for parts of the season is to buy myself time to make the other episodes. And so I'm just, I'm talking to interesting people and then hoping that that'll be enough because I don't want to let the feed just sit empty for, for months while sure. I'm working on stuff. So really I... Hey, like I do. <laughs> well, you know, and you have to do that sometimes. And I think I might actually have to do yeah. that coming up around Christmas time. I, I, that would be one that I, I think I could have done a lot better uh, with the information that was there. I mentioned in the one episode recently, I did one about censorship. And I interviewed um, some folks that have since become conspiracy theorists and push a lot of stuff that is just not uh, true. That's difficult. And I had yeah. no way of knowing that Abby Johnson was going to do that at the time, but she has since done that. So, you know, it gets into a lot of weird ethical questions of, do I take that episode down? So I'm not giving her a platform to speak on, but I actually still like what we've said in the episode. I just don't like what she went and did after that. <laughs> That's that's really a difficult question. I've chosen to leave it up because I think that the information in the episode is valuable. I guess those are the tough calls you have to make. Do you find this frustrating that sometimes you're having to construct your podcast and show and discussions in a way where you assume certain listeners don't have media literacy? Oh, yeah. And and so you have to almost create handicaps and like almost like the bars that or what are they the bumpers for bowling right you sort of have to put those up to explain things that you know and frankly that if you chris Starin, watch a movie or listen to another podcast recognize are in the current time is what someone thinks um do you find that you're sometimes having to navigate that while producing your show oh all the time yeah i'm always trying to figure out some bumpers uh, in fact with that jamar tisby episode i got a really kind of nasty iTunes review from somebody about that one because I didn't mention critical race theory and the you know different opinions on it and things. I did that on purpose. I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to because what Jamar was saying was so valuable as far as his experience. It was really good for sure. the audience to understand that I didn't need to get into that. And also because I think we're kind of freaking out too much about critical race theory rather than understanding that there is a, a big cultural thing going on that, that has been going on for a very long time, impacting a whole group of people. We're resisting and we're not listening. listening. Our reaction when we're fighting against it, is is overcompensating. So I was thinking about this metaphor this morning uh, as I, I drive a school bus uh, to pay for my living. And I was thinking about the de-engineering of school buses. They're actually designed very well, so it's very hard to tip a school bus over. You have to mm -hmm. trip it, like they say. You know, you have to like roll it over something. It's like cow tipping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like Please cow tipping. Don't cow tip. <laughs> it's Please not don't like cow tip. Please don't cow tip. Uh, but uh, if you're, if you, those, those tour buses that come through our town, because I live in a tourist town, they're actually somewhat top heavy. So they're actually pretty easy to tip over in comparison to a school bus. And the way that they tend to do that, we have what, you know, they tip over here every few years. And what, what they tend to do is that they'll veer off a little bit to the right and the right wheels will go off 
the edge of the road. And the driver, rather than gently correcting and pulling the, the bus back to the lane, what they'll do is they'll jerk the wheel and then they'll jump over their lane into the next one and then overcorrect and go back to the right. And by then they're in the ditch or they roll. And so the the problem is not that that they got slightly off because we're all going to get slightly off. The problem is that they overreacted and, and didn't gently bring it back in. And I think with that, with CRT, that's what we're doing. Organizations that are fighting it are jerking the wheel and in doing that, they're going to crash the bus. And all they really need to do is a gentle correction. Sure. And like you said, listening. One of the joys of the Christian faith is grace. And grace permits us to listen and be patient because you figure God has been very patient and listened to oh, us yeah. uh, almost every, ev- no, actually literally every minute. So <laughs> Jake also has another question for you. He says, basically, can the converse to the previous question is, is there an episode that you love and that you feel is very near to you? Yeah, I know it's weird, but the one about the ad council uh, is one that- That was great. Oh, praise God. I really love it. Thank you so much. It's the one that I send out whenever I'm asking a guest to be on the show. It did not do nearly as well as as a lot of the other episodes. And weirdly, the Rasputin episode is the number one that people have downloaded. I uh, over double. So it's kind of a weird thing. Um, the episodes that you like the most are maybe not the ones that are the most popular. <laughs> but but that one was kind of an example of what I would like to do with the show, where I'm kind of investigating history and talking to experts and spending a lot more time. I spent a lot of time on that episode. Uh, the ones about... Um, Wyoming and the the myth of the American cowboy, where I drove you know a thousand miles to <laughs> to report a story. Um, <clears throat> those are near to my heart because, well, first of all, they're about where I live and a place that I care a lot about. But they are also on location. Like I was really in the place, and I tried to like build a sense of place, which is hard to do over ZenCast or Zoom. You know, uh, just mm-hmm. interviewing somebody, but actually give yeah. you a sense of where I was and and bring you in in, in ways that. Just doing it over Zencaster, I can't do. Yeah. And uh, being in that place, when I traveled out to Sheridan, Wyoming, and then all over Teton County here where I live, I, I feel like it's a much richer episode. So those are really close to my heart because that is so much what I want the show to be. But I'm limited on it because it takes so long to make the episodes. I mean, the right. the one on the Johnson County War, it took weeks and weeks and weeks. I, uh, like an... Uh, if I had a you know a supervising producer on this show, they would have told me you're spending too long on this episode. <laughs> but I really wanted <laughs> yeah, to make it yeah. good. But to do that, I had to release episodes that were just interviews to make it happen. So yeah, they're I think those are probably the ones that are closest to my heart. That's cool. Yeah. One of the last questions you got was from a listener named Cindy, and I, I think this is a question. Well, actually, I already sort of alluded to it prior to this. I'll just read it because um, it's just a great question. Basically, Cindy says. How do you keep from getting discouraged with all the wrongs which have taken place in American history? And she follows that up with, I asked this as someone who started teaching history a few years ago, and the injustice seems to be unending. Right. Well, <laughs> it is a good thanks, Cindy, for the question. It's a hard one to answer because I do get discouraged by studying history, but also mm. I don't want it to sound trite, but reading the Bible has helped me a lot in understanding human nature and history. Because if you read the Bible, we tend to present the Bible like it's a rule book for life. If I do X, I'm going to get 
why, you know, those kinds of things. But that isn't really what the the Bible is. A lot of it is history. Sure. A lot of it is telling of people's faults and foibles. You know, you think about David killing somebody so that he can get their wife, you know, I'm like, it's sleep with their wife. It's yeah. a horrible thing. And this is the man after God's own heart. Wars are unjust and history shows us how unjust and how sinful we humans are. So partially mm-hmm. it pushes me closer to Jesus because I can see myself in history and the things that I'm capable of as a human being and my need for Jesus should grow from that. That's one thing. And then American history in general, it can be really difficult. Uh, What's helped me a lot has been studying other countries. As I've mentioned before on the show, I am am stupidly obsessed with Napoleon Bonaparte. And I I read four (laughs) books about him and I read another one. you've watched Bill and Ted's. Again, I've watched Bill and Ted's. Many times. Just just that part though with him. Uh, And... If you go to Paris, you can see all these monuments to Napoleon things, many of which he built, of course. And, but there are other ones that were built after him, for him. Yeah. And he is held up as this great military general, and he was a great military general. Um, but he was also kind of a terrible person and was involved mm-hmm. in, to me, one of the worst moments in world history, which was the the March on Moscow, the whole uh, 1812 campaign to go take over Russia. One of the worst moments in history, especially the... What makes it the worst? Oh, yeah. uh, Gosh. Like for you. Because there was so much needless blood loss. I mean, absolutely needless. It was mostly for his own pride that they did this, where the French and all of the French allies marched towards Russia, basically to try to get them to enforce a, um, a trade agreement. And so over a million people died between both sides. And once they got to Moscow, the Russians burned down, I think it was two thirds of the city to stop Napoleon from taking it over. So first of all, you've got this loss of, you know, not just lives, but also monuments or not just uh, civilizations, history History. and buildings. But then after he sticks around too long in Moscow, winter comes and drives them out of Moscow. And while they're running away, the Russians come and start picking them off. And and the winter is killing people. Like literally, they'll sit down uh, after marching all day and they'll just freeze to death where they're sitting. So there's this... um, moment where if you want to really look up some sad moment, uh, I've thought about doing an episode about it, but I can't figure out how to make it about the church. (laughs) (laughs) Just make it a self-edifying episode where it's like, this this is is my podcast and I get to talk about what I want to. the listeners? Uh, But uh, (laughs) the Berezina Bridge and how many people died there trying to cross the Berezina River is one of the saddest moments in world history to me. And there are many sad moments. But to kind of get back to Cindy's question... With history in general is going to be full of of bad actor, bad actions, and bad actors. That's that's just the study of history, and so for me, I'm constantly trying to turn it back to like I'm capable of these things. Uh, it wasn't just you know Napoleon was a bad guy, which he was, you know he was, but also I have that potential as well, and that is why I need Jesus. Because mm-hmm. sometimes again, we we present the Bible as this lovey dovey book. And there are moments that are really like that. But in general, there's a lot of human misery. I mean, the, the central figure is crucified. Yeah. And they tell that story yeah. four times. He didn't do anything yeah, wrong. Didn't do, he didn't do anything wrong. They tell the story four times. Well, stone, almost stoned like six right? times. All these, like, yeah. I mean, just terrible things. And so really, uh, history shows us 
the actuality of the human condition, uh, which is that truly we are all sinners. And so what gives me hope is that Jesus came so that that does not have to be the end of it. You know, and that hopefully doesn't sound trite, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I, it's a strange way to say it, but like when you read about tragedy or even like your story talking about this Moscow trend or just terrible yeah. situation where everyone just ends up dying anyway. Um, it kind of diminishes the need. It, it, it emphasizes the needlessness of what's going on. I think one of the important lessons that you can get from, from those things. And a lot of the stories I tell, as I've been noticing uh, sort of patterns in my storytelling is that uh, if we deal with problems early in an appropriate way, it stops things from going crazy. So you get the story of, oh, you sure. know, if Napoleon had actually just dealt with took a Snickers, yeah, yeah, took a Snickers <laughs> and relaxed, relaxed uh, or if he, you know, had just worked it out with the czar, then things would have been fine. Uh, but because they refused to take care of things early and do the right thing, it mm. ballooned. And I think that that's true for a lot of different things, including, I would say, our own unrest with our local churches. You know, oh, sure. there. I have an episode coming out soon about my own local church and some of the struggles that it's been going through in the last few years with COVID and all the politics and those kinds of things. And I think that what we can learn from history in general now is that we need to deal with our issues early and do the right thing early and be gracious early. Otherwise, it festers. And so, even with those of us who feel discontent about the way that the capital C church is running, the best thing we can do is to deal with those things early and to understand mm-hmm. that we are the church and not, not just like there is no capital C church building out there. There's no, sure. there's no corporate headquarters in Arizona that's running mm-hmm. the capital C church. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are the church and everybody who is a right. believer is the church. And, and if we can understand that we are in a part of this body together, we have the ability then the agency then to, to be the change we want to see. And a lot of that's not going to be like marching in and uh, demanding that things become our way. A lot of it's going to be, again, right. listening or else doing what Jesus frequently did and loving people in a way that they were not expecting. I just was really curious. What's your favorite book of the Bible and why? Uh, Jeremiah. Okay, why? <laughs> Which is like a ridiculous, yeah, it's a ridiculous book to have as your favorite. No, that's a sweet one. That's a great one. <laughs> uh, because, again, I, I'm really drawn to these characters in in the Bible who live in a really difficult circumstance. It kind of mirrors mm. world history. Um, so, Jeremiah, as my pastor likes to say, it's 40 years of quote-unquote unsuccessful ministry. He is constantly telling people, God's message for them, and they don't listen. But he is faithful to give that message. It's, I, I think his circumstances were just terrible. You know, being besieged, you know, being thrown into a well, terrible circumstances. But the man was faithful. And so I find that book incredibly encouraging. So like when the January 6th riots uh, on the Capitol happened, that was my first reaction was, I'm going to read Jeremiah. <laughs> You put out an episode briefly uh, that was sort of like, I, I felt like, I'll preface it this way. I really enjoy blogs because I do enjoy kind of like the quick, unedited expression of people. I know that's a dangerous field uh, because sometimes you say things that you <laughs> don't intend to. But I really liked when you put out the episode after the January 6th riot because it felt like it was you just sort of burying your heart. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I, I was really convicted that I had to say something. And honestly, I hate knee-jerk reactions from myself 
because um, I often, mm-hmm. as I think many of us, we end up regretting them. <laughs> yeah, sure. it's one sure. of the reasons I like to work on shows so far in advance, is so I for several go, weeks. Yeah, so I can go back <laughs> yeah. and cut out my knee jerk reaction, and I've left a lot of stuff on the editing room floor, as it were. So I, one of the things I think that, and people did write to me about this, and I think that they were right, is that uh, I, I, I mentioned that I thought that we as Christians were setting ourselves up to be persecuted. Not that we deserved persecution, because I don't think anybody deserves persecution, but that we were setting ourselves up for it. Some people wrote in and were saying that you, know, you shouldn't use the fear of persecution um, and I think I did use it inappropriately in that episode. But that that is also one of the reasons I started the show, if I'm being honest, was that I, I am concerned that we as evangelicals are setting ourselves up for persecution in different sure. ways. And and it, it again, nobody deserves it, but that we are asking for it by being jerks and not acting like Jesus um, said. Sure. I, I got I did get mostly good reviews on it, but for me, I, I can never I don't know. I can never really be comfortable with an episode, especially one that I didn't get to work on for very long. Yeah, I think it it did some good for folks. I hope it did. It definitely did for me. It was enjoyable to... uh, I'll say this as a Christian, but I think this is the case when people have an identity anyway. When you're feeling a certain way that that you feel is counter to the identity that you have, and I'm saying you feel it's counter, not not that it is, you, you can start to feel isolated and alone. And you start to not want to share because you don't want to hear what someone else might say about you. So for me, like when the insurrection's happening and I'm seeing that people have a, a Christian flag up or things like that, and they're saying this is like for Jesus or whatever, it's like that's, you know, my non Christian friends at work are seeing this and all of the work I've done. Not that it's work, but you know, all of the exhibiting of Christ I've done to this person is now being affected by the fact that they're watching this person on TV do this right. whole thing. Yeah, our global testimony. Right, yeah. the whole global testimony is like what what my intimate work is doing is now being de- defaced by someone's overt uh, non-work because in reality, like that's a very unhealthy portrayal of Christianity. And it was comforting to hear someone else be frustrated about it because I think there's an appropriate level of frustration to be embraced because emotions are just things that happen to us. I don't trigger happy. My wife walks in the room and I become happy. Yeah. <laughs> it just hits me. Um, <laughs> I don't make myself smile. Uh, I see Chipotle nearby and I'm hungry and then I start to smile. It just happens. <laughs> and the same goes for frustration. Sometimes you see things that are frustrating and when you can't figure out a healthy way to ventilate that, it can become very damaging. And it was nice to hear you, uh, I believe, health have a healthy avenue for that and to perhaps help us to come together to ventilate with one another. Um, so I quite enjoyed it. And I, I also feel a little similarly. I sometimes wonder if um, Christians are, are, are putting themselves in an unhealthy position. But you know, your podcast sort of talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your literal last season is entirely about like this marriage of Christianity to capitalism in response to communism right. comes with it things that Christians in their book the scripture <laughs> don't necessarily talk about. Um, and it and it then becomes something you have to deal with. And so I, I completely understand that. While Truce is going into the past to investigate the history behind the Christian church as it is today, there are events going on right now that will clearly impact the Christian church of tomorrow. And so I just wanted to understand, like, what's your reasoning behind your focus with the podcast by discussing the past to focus on the now as opposed to the now 
and what it means for the future? Are you just more comfortable discussing past events? Are you frightened to share your (laughs) thoughts about current events? Which is fine. Some people might benefit by being more afraid about that. (laughs) Or are you just really bad at making predictions and that's why you never play the lottery? Yeah, well, all of that, all of the above, please. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We can talk about the present through the past much easier than we can talk about the present through the present. Uh, so it's like when my brother and I made our film Bringing Out Bobby, one of the things that we really considered was, uh, can you make a comedy film that is also evangelistic? And it had been tried in the past, but the comedy films that we saw were terrible, um, the, the Christian comedies. And uh, But we realized that there there are things you can do in comedy that you can't do you know, drama. And, and there are things, uh, there are, there's a certain rapport that you can get with the audience that you can't get with a drama, but you can get with a comedy. Um, and so we were trying to see if we could talk about faith and God through a comedy to try to build trust, to build a relationship with the audience so that they could then take it, like understand the sort of difficult truths of the gospel. And kind of in the same way uh, with truths, I'm trying to talk about the past, use the past to talk about the present so we can understand how we got to a place because so often we're not getting the full story of where we are today. We're, we're just getting what happened today. I don't know if as you as a news consumer, especially with foreign news, oftentimes they'll be like, there was a bombing in you know Congo this, this morning. And you're like, that's terrible. Yeah. But I yeah. know nothing about Congo. What, what, how, who's, who's bombing? What's going on in that country? You don't get that in the news because it's, Right. Too, it's not sensational enough, and you're not getting the backstory for those things. Same with um, the recent skirmishes in Israel versus Palestine. That's right. There, there's no like nobody filling in the gaps uh, to say what's been going on historically. So it's just sort of oh, this this side was bombed, so the other side must be evil, um, and not you know no context for those things. And so uh, it lends us. I think one of the reasons that we're so angry as a people is that we don't have context. Uh, for much of anything. We just have people telling us, believe this, let the adults do the the thinking and just vote sure. this way. And I think that that can be incredibly frustrating for us. And so that so much of what we're involved in now is a result of what happened in the past. Um, you could you could draw clear lines from the 1800s to now of, of how we got to where we are and what we're dealing with. And so that's what's been really fascinating for me about studying history is to be like, oh, that's where this came from. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in in my whole hope of God willing telling season five about the the Scopes Monkey trial is to demonstrate how uh, we back in the in that in those days fundamentalists, in order to win a very small battle, completely lost the war, and uh, and and I think that's a lot of what we're doing now is we're fighting over things that are so small that we're willing to just burn the whole thing down to win this tiny little thing that is relatively insignificant. You know, rather than loving my neighbor as I'm supposed to, I want to shout at them about how wrong they are because it's so much more gratifying uh, to shout at them than it is to love them. (laughs) But that's not what we're commanded to do. Sure. So I'm hoping constantly to do that with a show without making people bitter towards Christianity and the church. And that's a really hard balance that I don't think I've struck as well as I'd like. It's, I mean, it's a really hard, hard thing to do, especially on a one-man crew, to keep bringing it back to, we need to love 
the church and we need to love each other as well. But that ultimately that's what we need to do. And that's kind of what I'm working towards in the future is now that we know that the, the church has been involved in a lot of nasty things. We have been involved in a lot of nasty things. Um, how do we continue to love the church and love Jesus and love people all at the same time? Mm, that's really good. And I think, I think one of the big things is grace is often in short supply. And I think because grace as a concept is one of these amazing things where it's like, it's undeserved mercy, which mercy is undeserved, but it's rather it's undeserved love. And when we have grace for those we disagree with, whether it's something massive or even just something small, you can endure what's going on and be patient to see what's going to happen next. And that's sort of one of the joys of the Christian walk is especially knowing that like, as we're evangelizing and we don't know if someone's going to maybe tomorrow come to Christ, it means we can express grace today for what may happen tomorrow. And oftentimes when you start applying grace to more than just evangelizing, but you also apply it to politics and how you communicate with other people, I think it gives a broader sense of patience and I think that's something that even as you're doing your podcast, going into the past to look forward, it's like it's more like an alert to like, this is what happened in the past. You can still show grace for terrible things that have t- taken place. And it can take time to start showing grace for those things. Because there's a lot of things you cover that leave me very frustrated. Um, this is um, me <laughs> unearthing how I feel about your podcast. I love it. And I love what you talk about. And it makes me very frustrated about my experience as a Christian because it enlightens me to some of the things that I've experienced from Christians that have let me down or that have hurt me. And then I start to have, I, I don't start immediately to have grace. And even now, some days I don't have grace, which is when I need grace from the Lord. But there are days when I'm very angry with people who are in positions of power or authority who let me down. And I think that your show permits the opportunity, it doesn't make people gracious, but it permits the opportunity to express grace. So. And I think um, I think that's something that's helpful even in current events. Yeah. Um, so I love your show, dude. Praise I think God. it's a great show. Yeah. Thanks for um, being part of it. I, I think one of the things that comes that came up while you were talking in my mind was that there is a reality you probably feel, and I think we've talked about this before off the record, is that I, we as podcasters go, are going to let people down. Uh, we're going to say something that is upsetting. We're going to find out that what we said was wrong in the future. I have let people I worked with. Down. Oh yeah, of course, me all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, so one of the things I I I have struggled with in doing this show is like how how do I prepare the audience for the fact that someday I'm going to let you down. I, I don't want to destroy your faith in the process, but because I'm a human, I. And I'm going to let you down. I'm going to say something that was wrong sure. or insensitive. Uh, I, you know, something's going to go out over the feed that wasn't supposed to. Who knows what it's going to be? I'm going to tweet at, at three in the morning when I should be asleep, and I'll, you know, say something I shouldn't say. Uh, I, it's one of the difficult things is that we, because of our culture of leadership in in the Christian church, we hold up leaders so much that they become this integral part of our faith, and when they fall, we we get hurt and our faith gets hurt in, in in the way. And some people can lose their faith. I think, you know, like Robbie Zacharias, those things that we just found out about him. One of my fears is always like, what happens when the audience finds out I'm a human? 
that it's one of those things that the weird balances we all know one of those like things that gets repeated a lot in churches is you know for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but we don't understand that that means that melvin has sinned it means that i have sinned that chris Starin has sinned and will continue to sin until the lord comes back so i think we have to have a lot of grace for people in political positions for christian leaders uh, for our own pastors for our friends our neighbors our parents, uh, everybody, because we are all sinners and we are all struggling through this time. And that that's really hard. So let me apologize in advance for those of you who will soon find out that I'm a human. <laughs> I, I have no intention of like doing something stupid, but I'm a human. Um, and that's that's how it is. Yeah. And so I think that that's one of those things that I, I find so compelling about Jesus is that um, he is actively up on the cross being crucified in the process of it. And what does he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I think that in a lot of cases, we we can all have more grace for each other. Even, you know, that person you think who, for Donald Trump, you know, like, if you have anger in your heart towards, if, if you hate Donald Trump, you are outside of the biblical command. Um, you You are to pray for him. You are to love him. You can disagree with him. You can be angry as long as you don't sin. But we are not to hate like that. It's just going to make you bitter. It's going to destroy your faith. And it's it's not really going to accomplish anything. So, yeah, there you go. Well, thanks so much, Chris, for having me uh, interview you. And, oh, yeah. Uh, meeting me halfway to do some sort of thing together. I just, yeah. <laughs> I've been itching for this, man, dude. Oh, really? I love you. I love talking to you. Oh, I love, good. like, I just was so excited to do this. So, uh, and congratulations again for a hundred episodes. That's wild, dude. Thanks for being a part of it. And, uh, I guess we could do the credit stuff. So special thanks to Melvin Benson of the cinematic doctrine podcast, which you can subscribe to anywhere you get podcasts. And so truce is a listener supported show. If you'd like to help truce, you can go to trucepodcast.com slash donate and give there. Um, as we've talked about, I have big plans for the show to do more original reporting, to go on local I'm hoping to uh, fly uh, several thousand miles to report some stories for season five. So your help financially really does allow me to do those things, to go to conferences, to buy equipment, and also supplements my income because I have to work a school bus job. So I have time in the day to make the show. So um, I, you know, uh, it, it really, really does help. So uh, subscribe to the podcast on your podcasting app and leave a review as long as it's positive. And uh... <laughs> so, yeah, this has been Melvin Benson, your one time host. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Truth. Yeah, I'm Chris Starin. This is Truth. This podcast is a production of Truth Media, LLC.